What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Gestalten. My name is Eric Galina, aka Form Trends, and I am here with my colleague Martin Groschwald. Hello, hello. What's up? We are again in Martin's concept house den, and Martin is、uh, joining us now with a, a little bit of a, of a sore leg, but、uh, that's not the topic of conversation that we'd like to discuss. What it is that we would like to discuss is the current events that are happening in the auto industry right now, particularly in relation to design. So, in this last what month and a half, pretty much since our last podcast,、um, there's been a couple of changes announced to upper management, and there's been basically four new hires. There's always a lot of movement happening around September, October.、Mm-hmm. Um, people started to come back into work and coming to new jobs. And I think the headline for this new,、um, you know, the the major change. I think the major headline was、uh, two people.、Um, and、uh, let's start off with、uh, Kareem Habib, who left、sure. Infinity and went to join、uh, Kia. So、um, basically, Kareem was not in that role for that long, by、uh, you know normal standards. I mean, he was there for. Or was it a little less than two years? Wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much about two years. And just to kind of give this a little bit of a background information, usually a car cycle, you know, is about five years. So when you start developing a new car, when you start developing a new project, and it's a production car, I think we have to put this out there. Show cars work a little bit differently.、Um, but you're kind of going through a process from you know for about five years from the first initial idea to when you actually see the car on the road. So Um, it was to a certain degree、uh, surprising, I think, that、uh, that this change was announced.、Um, I also, to a certain kind of degree, think it maybe wasn't that surprising、um, as a as a whole idea, because I I personally believe that you know if you are in this kind of Japanese environment, it can be for a foreigner coming in. Uh, it can be very challenging, so it is sometimes nothing that has to do with the person itself. And I don't think we have to say that Karim did a good or a bad job. I think you know, me personally, I think he did a very cool job with Infinity. We've we've praised the work that、uh, that he did. But being in such a high position in a Japanese company can sometimes be very tricky. Can sometimes be a little bit challenging. And I think, you know, maybe that was a little bit difficult. Maybe that had something to do with it. Uh, he obviously didn't grow up in this kind of Nissan lifestyle, as for example, his boss Alfonso Abesa did.、Uh, also, to a certain degree, Matt Weaver, who's running the the, the NDE studio, who was at Nissan for a long time, then left and came back. So, I think you know, understanding this kind of culture, if you pretty much are being thrown in,、uh, can be a challenge. And it's generally sad to see him go because the stuff that he did, I think, was really cool. I look back in Project Nine, Project Ten, like you know, those things were just really cool. And um, you know, moving, you know, for him moving to Kia and obviously, you know, getting into the footsteps of Peter Schreier、uh, is going to be another big move for him because Peter has done such a great job over there. Obviously, you know, stepped back a little bit、uh, after he announced his kind of part-time, you know, retirement, doing a little bit of management and stuff. But generally speaking, I mean, these are big footsteps,、uh, you know, footsteps to、uh, to fill, and I um I hope that he can fill those because, especially with the Stinger, I mean, we talked about with、uh, about the Exceed or Proceed and and all these previous cars of Kia over the past few months and a couple of years, 
uh, they did some great stuff. So, um, you know, a big challenge for him ahead to keep that kind of level as well. And it's going to be interesting to see how he's going to develop it further. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, I can't speak to the frustrations that, you know, uh, Kareem Habib may have endured. Uh, obviously, the company culture is a it's a massive change from where he came from. Um, you know, BMW um, beforehand was uh, obviously a very different company culture. Um, I, I agree with you in terms of working in Japan. It's probably quite a bit different uh, culturally, but also now, you know, as you mentioned, uh, there's product cycles that tend to take place uh, within automakers for, you know, four, five, six, seven years, and you will never see a production project from him, not for a good while. And so it's interesting to see, you know, he did make his mark from a concept perspective, but again, it comes back to infinity and infinity. All we've seen, unfortunately, is concepts like a whole range of concepts They're beautiful cars, but, you know, showcasing a design direction that, you know, kind of shifted when Kareem took over ever so slightly and then is developed into what I believe to be a very clear and very nice design. And let's not, you know, Kareem is a brilliant design mm-hmm. designer, a very great design leader as well. Um, and uh, so he is, you know, obviously that's what the people at Kia thought, which is why he uh, was offered that promotion and that role over there as VP of design for Kia. Um, but and globally as well, I might add. So Infinity, I guess, was a smaller fish, perhaps, in terms of what he was able to accomplish. And perhaps he met some obstacles along the way. But again, I don't want to speculate. But it will be interesting to see what comes out of Kia um, as well, because they've always been design-led. Ever since Peter Schreier came over, they were pretty much the first um, Asian brand to be design-led. I mean, there was no, you know, uh, other companies kind of followed Kia's lead in that regard. Um, and you know, it's, it's a, it's a very interesting time over at a Hyundai motor group, including Kia right now. Um, there's a lot of really strong personalities over there, a lot of, um, really talented individuals and, uh, Kareem is definitely one of them. So, and, and, you know, Taisuke Nakamura is, is a great designer as well, a brilliant man. But as you mentioned, he was raised in that Nissan environment. He's been brought up through and so now he's taking over Infinity, as he rightly should. Um, and, you know, I, I am a big fan of his work as well. And um, I, I sure hope that Infinity can continue the momentum that was mm. kind of laid out by these concepts that we've now seen and come out with some decent production product that we can, you know, <laughs> consider to be a viable alternative to some of the German luxury brands or indeed, you know, Lexus and the mm. like. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's interesting times. So I guess moving on now into the second biggest design news to develop in these last few um, months since we did our last podcast, and that would be Josef Kaba. Yes. Yeah. Um, over there at BMW for, you know, not a very long time before he was unfortunately uh, transitioned out. Um, Domago Dukek uh, took over all of BMW, so... BMW M, BMW I, and then BMW itself. So he basically is leading the entirety of, of BMW's mm-hmm. products, core products, uh, under uh, Adrian Van Hoedank, of course. And uh, unfortunately, Joseph, and we mentioned this um, before, you know, was relegated to a Rolls Royce. It's not a job that he signed up for. 
You just kind of, you just got it. I, I think, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say we, we can look into the future <laughs> or we can predict anything, but um, we actually predict this, that this is going to happen. Mm. Um, I think, and you have to understand a little bit of the dynamics of what design is all about. And, you know, when you're in this management position and on these top level management positions, and Joseph, you know, he was at Skoda. And then he was supposed to come in to lead BMW um, as a, as a brand. Hmm. So those kind of guys, no matter who you speak to, there is always a certain ego that comes with these positions. Yeah, and it's not necessarily something bad. I don't want to say that ego is a bad thing, but it's a very important understanding that you need to have to understand why we predicted it. So you come in from a position which is Skoda, where you are. Uh, a highly respected leader where you've led the transition from Skoda as a cheap brand into a mid-market brand, which had a uh, great value for the quality that it produces, still produces up to date. I mean, yeah. you know, the stuff that comes out right now is still part of that work that Josef did mm-hmm. uh, at Skoda. You move over to BMW and you pretty much get demoted. It's, there's no other word for that. So we don't necessarily know what happened in BMW that this move happened, but he did get demoted. Uh, other people would have just said, like, okay, let's fire him. He was demoted uh, to Rolls Royce. There was probably a reason for him to accept this as well. You know? But this was never supposed to last. Uh, we we hear things from all different kinds of people. Um and I think he did really enjoy working at Rolls Royce from what I what I knew, what I what I've heard about it. He obviously did the Bugatti Veyron. So there is a certain kind of connection, but if you're coming from Skoda, which from a from a from a design rep- representation has a very high standard, which is a very high reputation, you go to BMW and then you go down to Rolls Royce. This has nothing to do with the the brand Rolls Royce, which I still think is extremely interesting. But you go down from a multi-million selling company to mm-hmm. a company that sells about I don't know four thousand cars a year. Yeah, right. there's a certain kind of let's say, you know, excitement that you just don't have anymore. Mm, absolutely. Um, the clientele might be a little bit different, but it's just a big step, yeah? And it's a big step down in terms of just hierarchy, in terms of the food chain when it comes to, to design. And so I don't think this comes necessarily as a surprise. Um, for me, what it shows a little bit is the problems that BMW have. You know, they've lost people over and over again. They brought someone in. They've lost that person after about two years. So I always want to say, like, you know, quote, what is BMW? Because what is the next step? You've It seems like you've tried everything. Mm. You're promoting guys now from the internal. It seems like a little bit more of a conservative move. You know, you let, let's maybe be, call them revolutionary people, you know, go. Or you they have to go. Where is the new stuff? You know, where is the development of BMW and combining this with the not necessarily just design industry criticism, but the general uh, auto industry criticism of the new design language, bit kidneys and stuff like that. Think about this, what you want. There's big criticism about this. It's just not, it doesn't shed a good light on BMW design Mm. as a whole. Mm. You You can call it a management problem. You can call it a marketing problem, call it product problem. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, and I don't know which kind of direction it goes, but it it kind of shows that there is a much deeper running problem at BMW that maybe a lot of people 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, again, I'm not inside BMW. Um, I do know that if I was Joseph and I had been uh, cast aside as he was, um, I, you know, would have rightly sought a different avenue. As you mentioned, you know, it's nothing to do with the brand. Obviously, it's um, the epitome of luxury. Um, it's a highly regarded brand, really quite elitist. But if you're used to doing so many different programs and working and managing a team and getting things out there, you kind of lose that momentum. Mm. And designers really need that creativity. And, you know, of course, there are a lot of egos in the design industry, as you mentioned. But I think ultimately, somebody needs to have that driving force and continuous amount of projects to kind of drive and keep that creative um, you know, momentum. And, uh, and, and that's what really drives people in this business, I think, is, is to do something new and interesting and innovative. And, um, you know, Rolls Royce, you know, is for, you know, the bespoke program and things like that is, is serving a very high end, you know, one percenters clientele, but I don't think they have sufficient movement within the product, um, you know, uh, pipeline to really keep someone like Yosef uh, really um, motivated and and interested. So anyway, so that's uh, that's what happened yeah. recently. I'm really eager to see where he turns up because well, that's going to be interesting. Did, I think there was um, one article that I saw is that um, due to the connections that he had from Volkswagen, mm. um, the speculation currently is that he will show up at either Volvo or uh, the Volkswagen Group in general because mm. of the connections from you know his past days at the Volkswagen Group. So yes. this seems the most likely. Um, but we have no info on that yet. No. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it once we know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, these speculations sound, you know, very reasonable. But it always depends on if there's a position for him on these kind of levels. Absolutely. Uh, I'm pretty sure he will show up somewhere new very quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we'll see. Uh, we'll see where what's going to happen with him. Yeah. yeah? But yeah. definitely quite exciting because he's a great talent. Mm-hmm. And I'm uh, very very excited to see where where um the ways will will take him absolutely so let's actually go back to the koreans Mm. um because we wanted to quickly talk about um we actually mentioned that sasha silipanov obviously left genesis Mm -hmm. and it is now out who is the successor which is uh filippo perini Mm -hmm. who already started his position uh pretty much a month ago now Mm -hmm. and uh he will be taking over from sasha uh, in the uh, Frankfurt studio, or like in the uh, Rüsselsheim studio, mm-hmm. for Genesis. And yeah, we, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the best thing to say is we hope that he can continue what Sasha has started. Cool products came out of that little studio with the Essentia, with the Mint. Mm-hmm. So let's see what else is going to come out of there yeah. uh, with, uh, with the addition of Filippo. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think we did mention this last time, but the whole way that Kia and Hyundai Motor Corporation and um, Genesis, which is the luxury division of the Hyundai Motor Group, is moving is more towards a digital phase. And we're seeing this with hires like Simon Lowesby, with Luke Donkervolk, who vastly believes in this methodology. And, you know, a lot of design studios are following suit, but um, he really has seized that. And um, the biggest um, advocate for that type of design has always been Filippo Perini. Mm. I've known Filippo for a very long time. When he was at Lamborghini, then he made the transition through Ital Design. But when he followed on from Luke Donkervolk at um, uh, at Lamborghini, 
it was it's still early days in terms of what digital mm. and the, the capabilities were for digital tools and the Lamborghini design direction that basically came out of that process was very much in tune with what was able to be realized through those digital tools. And um, it was massively successful. It still is. Um, I think it's going to be very difficult for Mitra Borker to move forward with uh, a different style, With, uh, but nonetheless, um, I, what he did over there, you know, following on from the Murcielago and, and moving into Adventador and all sorts of different things that he did off the back of that, um, you know, and now he transitioned, as I said, through Itel Design and over to Genesis, again, very strong digital team is going to be very, very interesting. And I do hope that he can follow on from, uh, from Sasha because Sasha built that team. Yeah. And um, he did, uh, they've done some very, very good work and extremely talented, creative individuals over there. What I'm going to be really interested to see just as a whole, I mean, we spoke now about Kia and now we're speaking about uh, Genesis, but there is a little bit of a theme, of course, since, uh, since Luke joined, um, that a lot of these guys are very Volkswagen heavy. So mm, there's a certain absolutely. Volkswagen group uh, background mm-hmm. into this. And um, I interestingly spoke to a few people who said uh, in, at the Frankfurt show, didn't mention it at the time, but they said, look, if you look into the show car that they've shown in Frankfurt, you can see a little bit this Volkswagen-esque Absolutely. thing in that show car. Mm-hmm. So I'm really interested to see, like, you know, what could Genesis be if I compare it to a Volkswagen? Hmm. Or, you know, is it going to be the Audi? Is that the kind of direction that they want to move into? Mm. You know, um, what is going to be Hyundai? What is going to be Kia? So um, with this background, obviously, Karim is a little bit of an exception because he's one of the few people who have not worked at Volkswagen yes. in the past. Uh, but understanding and seeing how this develops, Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's not a criticism of who you hire. More about you know you can see tendencies that a lot of guys from Volkswagen come in. And of course, there's going to be some influence from what they have learned in that kind of group. Mm-hmm. But can they keep their individuality with this with these other brands? Yeah, that's what I want to see. This is where I'm going to be really interested and excited about to go like you know a year or two down the line. Mm-hmm. Like you know how can they how can they step out of this you know, a little bit of Volkswagen-esque kind of direction and really develop um, what is Hyundai, what is Genesis. Obviously, Kia has a very strong personality through Peter Schreier, but going into that kind of direction. That's, that's for me, what with these hires are most interesting to look at. You know, it's like, well, how does it compare? Uh, Volkswagen want, wanting to get rid of brands, you know, so if they have three to five and then you compare it to other companies as well where they staggered up, so... Mm. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting, the, the products that, produ- that are produced. I mean, obviously, yes, there are a lot of people that came through the Volkswagen group that are now over there and in charge. And uh, Volkswagen's a great school. So, you know, it oh, makes perfect definitely. sense that, um, you know, a lot of people would come up through Volkswagen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's the concept car that was on show. We spoke about it briefly, obviously, when we were in Frankfurt. But um, it is perhaps an indication of the direction that they're looking to go. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, more finessed, more refined, suppose, mm. uh, yeah, but it is very Volkswagen. I think, you know, regardless, you've got people that have come up through Volkswagen and they have perhaps a certain style. Um, but I think the, you know, the good designers will always be malleable and will always come up with something new and some different yeah. style and will always develop something that is really relevant, uh, for the markets that they're looking to conquer. And, 
um, with the team that is in place now, um, you know, we're talking Sengup Lee, Kareem Habib, uh, now, um, you know, Simon Lowesby as well, Luke mm-hmm. obviously at the, at the helm, um, and, uh, and, and now Filippo in this Genesis studio um, here in, uh, in Europe, because there's another one in California as well. Um, extremely talented individuals, and um, it's going to be very interesting to see how everything does turn into product. Um, so the last thing I think that I want to re- re- reference and refer to, speak about, is um, uh, Carlo Bonzanigo, who went to Penetferina, um not very long ago. And Just he, two years ago? He, like well, it wasn't all that long ago. And he went in there and he changed things up drastically and he hired a fresh new team and everybody was doing great. And for some unexplained reasons, again, there's some speculation surrounding that I'm not going to get into, um, but, you know, there's different accounts as to why he chose to leave. And now Penanfarina, arguably the biggest carrosseria, I, you know, Ital Design used to be up there since it was taken over by the VW group. It's not at the same level, but the carrosseria in general are not at the same level. I mean, Bertone doesn't even exist anymore. Um, is now basically Penanfarina is a ship out at sea without, <laughs> without a captain at the helm. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what it is that they choose to do um, over there and who they choose to bring on board to lead this team that they've um, been, uh, you know, built up. Um, I do know, of course, uh, and, and others do as well, it's in, it's in the public uh, domain. They are working with VinFast as well as a number of other automakers, and they're doing a variety of different things across the board, mm-hmm. not just cars, but Penn and Freen has been involved in a number of other things as well. Yachts and ranging, architecture. And yeah, everything. architecture, industrial design, and they're branching out into all sorts of different areas. And um, anyway, so that's, we will share information as to, you know, who is um, going to be taking over uh, over there and perhaps, you know, get some insight as to the future direction for this really quite important carrosseria. But uh, I, I think, I mean, the kind of, it doesn't necessarily surprise me. I think if you if you look a little bit in what Pinfarina has become over the past few years, um, you have to see that globally, not just in Italy but also in in, in China. Mm-hmm. It has become like a not a, like a carrosseria anymore. It's just a design studio, mm. and it's a design studio that you can rent. Mm. And I think if you look at the products that came out of that none of these products were as outstanding as we were used to in the past. I mean, if I look back with, um, um, you know, with the Ferrari days, um, when they did like the small, uh, which one was the one with them, um, where they only did six cars, uh, the Ferrari that was done under... Fabio Filippini. Fabio, yes. From uh, Peugeot, um, former Peugeot, uh, was leading the team then. Sorry, and Fabio, I, thought, I do apologize I thought they for did that. some brilliant <laughs> stuff. I thought they did some brilliant <laughs> stuff over there. Um, you know, during his, during his tenure. And, um, yeah. So anyway, it's, you're right though. It's not, it's not like, you know, during the time, of course it was the heyday, the Ferrari days, you know, they were doing stuff for everybody. Um, and it it was was, still cool stuff. You know what I mean? mm -hmm. It was like, it it was going still in a very modern way back to the roots of making products that were generally, um, in Farina, Ferrari Sergio, that was the one. Sergio, yes. Great car. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know you you just don't have that feeling anymore. I mean, when I see the ga- the cars now, I look at the Karma, you look at the Vinfast. 
there is nothing Pini Perino on this anymore. Mm. It's, you know, this could be done by almost any halfway decent design studio. Mm. You know, there is not this Pini Perino touch for me anymore. So I'm, I'm going to be interested to see what kind of direction they're moving into. Are they going to be, um, you know, moving into this kind of more supplying direction? Like, yeah, this is the design. We can do whatever you want. Or are they going to back go back into these carrosseria days and just like, no, 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 this is Pini Perino design and we tell you what is the best design. That's pretty much it. Yeah. You know, um, I think otherwise they'll lose it a little bit like uh, <clears throat> Ujaro and what Ital design obviously did. So that's, yeah. that's going to be interesting. So I think uh, on, on, uh, at the helm, if I mean, if you're that kind of position and you're maybe working on projects where people tell you what they want and then you just pretty much execute thing as a design boss, Mm. <laughs> you might be a little bit limited in terms of your input on that one so mm. i could imagine why people you know why he left mm. but let's see what's going to happen yeah yeah right but let's so, talk about some fun let's right, some moving cars. on moving on now cars. Uh, cars cars which is uh so since we last met there's been a, a couple of cars that have been unveiled we will talk obviously more about the tokyo reveals once we see those in tokyo later on um the you know in next week is the tokyo show so yes um we can after already say that, this one we will talk about this time due to my injury mm. and just because we have so many other things to do we will not be able to be in tokyo so we will not be able to have a uh, a live recording from the tokyo motor show which right. i am personally absolutely gutted about because it's my <laughs> absolute favorite show they have the coolest stuff there uh, I saw the daihatsu cars already and i'm just like i just fell in love i was like yes this is exactly my cup of tea <laughs> um, so we will talk about this in a podcast, unfortunately not from Tokyo, yes. but we will go all in on the Tokyo Motor Show because I love this little thing. Yeah, unfortunately, like many motor shows, Tokyo is going to, I mean, Tokyo has been taking a dive for a while and I'm sure it's going to be continued, but regardless, yeah. it's, it's, uh, you know, very much a but we'll local about, show but that we'll talk we about will a Japanese talk company. about, we we'll will talk about when we, uh, you know, once we see everything that's yeah. been revealed, but yeah, it's going to be a, a virtual walk around without us being actually yeah. on the show stand. Um, but since then, you know, before we dive into that, um, let's discuss some of the new cars that have been revealed. So since Frankfurt, um, there's two vehicles that are quite different um, that we should, I think, discuss. And the first, I think, is, um, you know, the more tried and true you know, automotive you know, typical ICE engine, massively popular vehicle here in Europe um, that pretty much brought Nissan back from the dead, and that's the Juke and the Qashqai in in some sense. Um, the Qashqai basically reinvented this crossover um, typology, uh, which is very much the mainstay family vehicle. Um, but the Juke was the first ever B-segment crossover that everyone wanted to get one into their product portfolio. And they every single automaker scrambled to do an imitation of the Juke. And with the new Juke, which was also, again, designed by Matt Weaver in the, or under he, Matt Weaver's under Matt team. Weaver. He, he, he would, he would, he would yeah. go ahead of if we would say it was yeah, designed so by him. It wasn't, it wasn't designed by him. The first, the first one very much was him, you know, in... You know, that was a, a fruit of his uh, his labor. He, like in the new one, I suppose, you know, of course he is the director of NDE. Um, so he probably a bit more hands-off this time around. I mean, the old car was like 10 years and change, like 10 years old, I think. 
Um, so they, it really had some design longevity, I suppose. Um, it still looked pretty good. It was, you know, it was always a bit of a, of a, you know, a weird one. I mean, some people consider it an ugly duckling. Some people really liked it. Maybe it was, you know, for the typology and so on. I think from a, from a package perspective, from a unique design perspective, it was quite, um, interesting, certainly. Um, the new one is very, you know, I had a chance to see it at NDE. They, you know, the guys over there had Mm -hmm. a little cars and coffee thing where they invited a bunch of people. It was fantastic event. Um, you know, because it's in central London, it's underneath, uh, the, uh, the A40 and everything, it's really quite urban and really um, very cool. And, you know, there was like jaggy types there and stuff. Anyway, very cool to see that car in the metal because it's very much an exercise in, in just incredible refinements. I mean, everything. And there's so many different faces to that car as well. The colorways. I mean, they really know their target demographic. They really, really know their audience. And the way that they are doing um, you know, the the option packs, I guess, that they're providing for this vehicle in terms of what they're offering, um, you can really create a very individual product um, for, you know, specifically tailored to your tastes. And I think that's brilliant. But, you know, if you look at just a general surfacing perspective from the exterior, the, the front face of that car as well, it looks like, you know, it's just grown up. And that is what Matt said that was the design brief. I mean, it was, you know, uh, that was very much the um, the objective was to make it appear um you know like a an evolutionary yeah. process and and that's what it is and you know but the certain elements i mean the rear end with the deck lid and um you know the 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 rear um the trunk and the way that everything just works together around the the tail lamps and everything these are like massively complicated surfaces that are really very well resolved and i think you need to see it in the middle to re- fully appreciate it like any yeah. Like any car, you need to walk around it mm-hmm. and take it in and look at the, the you know the the how the light plays around that. And I think they've done a brilliant job. I have to say, obviously, I haven't seen it, um, so I trust your word and everything. <laughs> but um, from from what I can see, is exactly what you've just mentioned. I think it's just a mature car. Mm. It's it seems like if if you look at the first generation Duke, which was this quirky, you know, new little thing made for the young kids, like you know, like the young families and uh in a very good price range as well so it it was something where you when you buy this kind of car you like the little something extra it was not this kind of general like you know you buy a you know a wagon or something like that so no. <laughs> um and they've made exactly that they've just like look how can we keep this customer group that bought the first one and now we buy the new one um but have also aged 10 years mm-hmm. so you know that's the maturing factor behind it and i think if they can keep all these guys plus add a few more because you know the car's still quite quirky mm. it's not a conventional car design as you would expect maybe from a Volkswagen BMW Mercedes and all those you know those companies mm. but this is obviously what makes this car so this little quirkiness is why the people want to have it this is why the people like it as well mm-hmm. and exactly what you just mentioned you know it's it's one of those cars everybody talks about. Some people like it, some people don't like it, but the people talk about it. Mm. That's how it sells. So mm. um, I I like this evolution. I think it's it's big enough in terms of design to really make it a new car, um, but it's still fundamentally a juke. Mm-hmm. And what I personally like about this, and this is something I think Japanese companies, you know, work around a little bit better is. 
they're not just saying like, look, this is a Nissan, so it has to look like any other Nissan. Like, no, this is the Nissan Juke. This can be a bit different. Um, a lot of the German companies, American companies, don't tend to do that. They tend to have their design language. And I do appreciate that. The, the longer we're in this business, the more and more I do appreciate the Japanese mm. for doing that. It's it's just fun. It's like you know, don't take yourself with the brand too seriously. Take mm-hmm. yourself seriously, of course, but have some quirky ones. Mm-hmm. And the Juke is exactly that, and it, and it helps. Um, I think Nissan to kind of spread out a little bit, go to different customer groups that buy these cars. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so. I hope I'll, I'll, I'll see it at some time in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Again, we're not going to be I'm in. sure you will. <laughs> I am pretty sure, I'm sure you that, that thing is probably going to sell like crazy. Um, but I, I, do, the, I do appreciate that, that, you know, what you just talked about, about the, the Japanese car makers. And there's, there's consistency across the different model ranges, but it's less evident, less in your face, yeah. you, know, um, you know, less like Mercedes and BMW, even uh, Audi, uh, where you can't actually tell the different model lines apart. Um, I, I really do appreciate the fact that each of these um, model lines has its own identity. Um, that's one of the things that I, I really do appreciate, definitely. So moving on into another one that does actually, you know, um, have some brand consistency. Um, we've only seen one model unveiled so far, but there was one picture that showed um, a range of vehicles within this uh, this uh, uh, vehicle line, and that is a new EV startup called Canoe, previously called E Velocity. Previous called called E Velocity, laden mm-hmm. to the you know to the rafters with former BMW yeah. and Faraday Future well, it, designers. I, I think it's pretty much <laughs> Faraday Future just moved exactly. That's that's the <laughs> and. Uh, I want to say something about this because um, um, I had the chance to see the Faraday 90, uh, 91 and that was a fantastic car. So when I heard that all the, the major guys moved over from Faraday over to E-Velocity back then and now Canoe, I was just like, oh, I hope they can do that again. Yeah? But we have to say one thing. So Canoe is... It's not necessarily a car. Mm-mm. It's a skateboard. It's a service. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you can't buy these things. You can only uh, subscribe to them. Monthly subscription, which is already a little bit something new, mm. something that I think if they really bring that out in such a, in such a way. Uh, the structure of the company is interesting. They're not producing themselves. They're franchising someone to produce the car. Mm. So from an entire perspective, it looks much smaller and much more compact and much more cash flow um, relevant than maybe a Faraday or the other EV companies at the moment. So that's already very interesting. The other thing that I find very interesting, so the head of design, creative director, whatever you want to call it, is Richard Kim. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard obviously started his, his own little consultancy. So it's from our situation, from what we know, a little bit unclear is, if, did he do that project actually as the canoe head of design or did he do it via his own consultancy? Mm. Um, which, again, would make canoe a little bit more flexible in terms of, okay, how do we, are we going to do our products in the future? So it's a very new kind of setup. It's a very new company setup, um, service setup, and also design setup. You have the skateboard and pretty much on top of the skateboard you can build things. Mm. And... 
just to kind of sum this up, I think they've shown five or six different kind of models on what this can be. So they had a, uh, uh, you know, like what I call a toaster. And mm-hmm. no, no, yeah, yeah. Ma- a people mean thing about that. It's just like, yeah. that's, the, that's what it looks like. They have a little bit of a roadster style car. They had a uh, fully autonomous, uh, what was it, like, you know, commercial vehicle style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They had a little pickup on there as well. Yeah. Yeah. So they've shown a little bit of the idea. But you've you've actually written this really interesting thing about Canoe where you said, like, is this the future of automotive design? Mm-hmm. And I think to a certain degree it will be like that. Mm-hmm. And I think this will be very much like in the cities, yes, something like this. It doesn't need to be Canoe, but something like this with a pot-style system, a, you know, uh, a, a changeable platform. So mm-hmm. you have the... the, the um, uh, you have the uh, the skateboard, and then you put something on it. Pretty much, I think within the cities, maybe not for transportation, but maybe for commercial reasons, this can be the future. Mm-hmm. You know, is it what I personally like? I understand where they're coming from, um, but I'm not so sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's, of course, you know, do you like it? Do you not like it? Look, I, I, I want to address a couple of things that you mentioned. Like, yes, I did write an article about this because you know when i saw it i was like this is pretty cool um for our times right it's very relevant when you look at what's happening in the in the world um people are not you know certainly the younger generation is not overly concerned with only a vehicle driving a 67 mustang is not their Mm. priority um you know they'd rather go out and buy the new iphone which is amazing but regardless um they're you know dropping money into a car that's going to sit there for 90% of its life and you know is is not their priority and there you've got to pay insurance on it and you've got to find a place to park it and everything so the subscription model is not brand new i mean you know volvo came out with this before it's been tried by other companies in the past volvo i think is you know having a very difficult time right mm-hmm. now because why you know subscribe to something when you can actually lease it mm. for less money. So it's, a, I think there's a lot of quirks that mm. need to be ironed out. But if you look at, you know, so Canoe um, and Richard Kim is, uh, you know, head of design over there, former head of BMW I, um, or not exterior. head. He did exterior. He, did exterior. he was so not the head of BMW I. He yeah. did the I3, which was a very quirky car. He did the production I3. The uh, I, th- I don't think he did the initial sketch for the concept I3. Right. Right, uh, but he was very much involved in production i three i eight. But he was let's put it that way, he was an integral part of the i program. Yes, indeed. And yeah. then he moved to Faraday, correct? And they did a couple of um, you know interesting proposals. One of which was the FF ninety one that yeah. you mentioned. Um, you know, there's there's been a lot of interesting designs that have come out of you know under his direction. But the more interesting thing to me is you know, and what I referred to in the article is the way that things are moving, right? Um, if we're looking at people not interested in buying vehicles, we're looking at um, LA as a region where the car is integral mm. for getting around and people don't necessarily want to drive and, you know, parking's a hassle and whatever, this, that, and the other. If you can get a subscription service and later on, if you can get an autonomous subscription service to come and pick you up when you've had a nice evening out at the bar, like, you know, why not, right? That's going to be great. And that's, I think, the direction that they're looking towards. So essentially it's, it's a bit of a combination of everything, right? It's the skateboard platform isn't necessarily new. We've seen it on like EVGM, like mm-hmm. Highwire a while ago. Um, we've seen platform sharing in terms of different body styles that they're able 
to um to, to or, or different uh um, vehicles that they're able to produce, but all of these were kind of cookie cutter badge engineering things. Um, and there's now, and the subscription service we've seen already through Volvo. So there's all of these different ingredients that are very much relevant and of the time that we're now living in coming together to create this um, new mode of transportation, which if it's going to work anywhere is going to be in a place like LA, that where is the exactly, car is necessary. That is exactly what I just wanted to mention. I think a product like this is also a child of where it was born. Mm. And LA, if you've ever been to LA, LA is not just one city. It's pretty much like a bunch of suburbs, com- suburbs mm. coming together. These suburbs have grown massively big, and you want to get from A to B. They're, the public transportation system is almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. Um, they've completely forgotten about this in the past and now they kind of regret it a little bit. So you need to have a service like that, which becomes pretty much a public transportation. So from that angle, it is very LA specific. Now, if you go to London, obviously as a, as a, as a little bit of a counterpart of this or to New York, if we mm. stay in the States, there's a very strong transportation system, mm-hmm. public transportation system. You do not need a level, con, you know, level kind of, you know, way from A to B, like a car, like a taxi or whatever, because mm. A, there's too many cars anyways, and B, the public transportation is just way too good mm. to, to use it. So from, a, from that kind of perspective, and this is what we now have to see, and this is something I want to mention in this one. This is the product where we're not just judging it based on the appearance. Mm. We're actually judging it on what we see as the experience. But yeah, but that's design. I mean, design is not just aesthetics. no, no. But this is this is the point. Like you know, like this is one of the very very first products now where we have to bring those things together. We've we've been talking about this a long time mm. that you know experience and like you know haptic design should always come together. But now this doesn't work. It's just either or. You know, mm. we see this as a whole. And I think this will be the interesting part. Like, will this succeed? We don't know. Mm. If it's going to succeed, it's going to be in very specific cities. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be a global thing. I cannot see anything like that work here in Munich at this moment in time. Mm. Um, but LA, 100%. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's a class thing involved here as well, right? Because people generally don't like to share things. And if you start, you know, that's why Uber is so successful, right? I mean, people, when Uber first started out, the only thing you could get was luxury, like town cars, right? You didn't get a Prius. It was a, a, a step above. There was another company that uh, I don't even know what it's called now because it's been like, you know, just totally superseded by Uber. But Uber used to be like your limousines. Mm. You know, that's what you booked an Uber. It was like the high end. And that is pretty much what Canoe, I think, is offering it's that private transportation. So you're in your own space. You're able to go to you know, X and Z and go all to all those little neighborhoods mm-hmm. that connect in LA and become you know, their own little cities. Um, and that is basically the way that people are going to be moving. And in New York, I definitely see this you know, being, being a success. But you know, it wasn't uh, successful for Cadillac, for mm-hmm. example, right? It wasn't successful. I mean, there's all these... Um, different services, concierge, whatever mm. Cadillac called it, which was kind of, perhaps it was a bit ahead of its time, um, but it's these subscription services that automakers are selling 
Um, it needs to, again, it needs to be fine-tuned a little bit, but I think that there is a desire for something like that just from a pure convenience mm-hmm. factor. And, you know, if you're not driving, then it, it makes even more sense. Yeah. But again, you know, um, I think we're, we're a ways off before we see yeah. fully full autonomy. But yeah, I mean, from, you know, a canoe from a design perspective still is, you know, it has that design consistency. It has these cool lamps in the front, this recognizable face, this really product-like aesthetic. You know, it's very, um, and, and you know, I just love, and the modular thing is not new as well. That's something that I That's failed to mention. That, that, was like, that was Jajaro in like 1970. I mean, I, that was like a long time ago. But it, it, they've, they've managed to kind of realize it. And I hope that it does become a reality. At the moment, they've just shown that one box mm-hmm. poster thing that you call which is, you know, a, a great people carry. Again, and I don't mean this in a bad way. It's no, just I the mean, best kind of description of what it looks it is, like. It's, 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 it's a box. But I mean, if you look, there's a video online somewhere um, and uh, it, it's, it's, it takes you through the actual design of it. And video is, is just amazing in terms mm. of conveying things. When you've, I, I wasn't there at the unveil at uh, Abikini where they showed the car. Um, but when you, they have this, just um glide through video that um you know with the camera moves and everything just shows you the space inside the vehicle and everything and it looks very very inviting um and again i think it's it's moving up a rung from you know your basic transportation riding in a train next to some smelly dude and then sitting in this (laughs) semi you know quite luxurious mode of transport right um i think that that is definitely the future. And in terms of being the future of automotive design, mm. I think when you take certain elements and you combine them and you mix them together as they have to deliver this final product, um, I think we're going to see, you know, designers basically creating various different modules, if you will, that are going to ride over a common platform that will be developed by X, Y, or Z manufacturer. They're going to get that. They're going to put on their own type of identity. And then mm. you can say, okay, I want the canoe type of identity or I want the Volvo type of identity. And I will subscribe to that because that's what I want ferrying me around this city. Mm. Or you will then ultimately just say, um, you know, and, and again, in the future, autonomy. And I want to be seen in that, you know, um, Louis Vuitton coat rather than the whatever, like, you know, yeah. Uh, I don't know, some other luxury <laughs> manufacturer brand like, you know, so you got like different products. And I think that's the way that it's going to go. It's going to become more fashion oriented if yeah. I, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you kind of follow my, where I'm so, going here. So actually, Luke, let's, let's take this idea. I mean, we, we were talking about Canoe and obviously the biggest issues with, with these new startups and like these new companies. And I want to talk in particular about EV startups now and kind mm-hmm. of move it away a little bit from the car. Uh, itself but obviously biggest news this week mm. was dyson coming out saying we with pretty much immediate effect have stopped our car project mm-hmm. and we see more and more of this company of, of, of these new companies um dyson obviously you know going down and uh saying like, like we're not going to do the car uh, you know, Byton and Neo uh, as a good example, always looking for new funding. Um, Faraday, a very good example for new funding. Mm. Um, you can see Lucid, obviously, with a lot of money coming from Saudi Arabia, but 
very funding heavy. Uh, Canoe, a very similar one now. Rivian, a very good example mm. with uh, with regards to funding. But so we we see a lot of trouble with these new new EV makers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just wanted to talk about this briefly because I think it's we're almost at the end of a cycle now. Yeah, and very very few. And I'm, I'm I am pretty much out there to say I would say probably only Rivian is really there to make it now. Mm are in this position to do it, you know, and A, I think it is a problem of the brand. It's about problem about the design. So, you know, how do we, 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 we position these products, but I think it's also a lot of people, have, you know, have underestimated how difficult it is to make a car. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. I mean, you know, it's, it's not like it's 1901 anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not just putting a couple of wheels on a carriage, um, you know, developing a vehicle is extremely, extremely cost intensive. And I think, you know, it's not to say, I'm sure, you know, Dyson and the like did their homework, um, but, you know, there's just so many factors to consider that when you start thinking about volume and things, then, you know, you realize that there's no way that you can develop a sustainable business model, which is what ultimately they did, but it took them a, a bit of time to get there. And I think there's there's a number of kind of um, forces that are just coming together to make that you know, reality, unfortunately. Um, you know, I think that one of the biggest issues I think right now, even though Dyson was, you know, working and going to develop this vehicle in Singapore, I think the Brexit issue is a massive thing that um, has come and impacted this project. Um, I don't know for a fact, but I'm willing to speculate. It would make that a little far. sense because of the suppliers yeah, coming from all absolutely. over the world, of course. And there's so much uncertainty as well. And when you think about you know, economies of scale and things like how many cars would he have, you know, would Dyson have had to develop to actually get to that break even point, right? Um, And you're looking at building a factory and developing this, that and the other, Um, you know, developing a battery pack or, you know, doing a one off concept is one thing. Having a full on production line. I mean, look, how many companies are just not making money? How many companies have developed and invested so much time? Like, you know, um, into just uh, developing things. I mean, look at, you know, just uh, Google as an example, billion dollars, billions yeah. over a decade. Apple as well, of Nothing. course. Yeah. yeah, Apple, zero yeah. to show. Billions of dollars. Just, and but, but this is, this it's is, just, it's but, mind-blowing. But this is what I want to say with this. I mean, even the guys with really deep pockets, yeah? So not, I don't want to say anything negative about like a Neo or a Biden, but this was started by individuals who have a lot of money, mm. but for a car development, their pockets are just individually not deep enough. Mm-hmm. So you need to get in other other uh, other people to yeah. to make this kind of achievement and to make this uh, make this work. Uh, Tesla is a very similar example. Still not making money, mostly not making money. They have some quarters where they do, some quarters where they don't. <laughs> so uh, let's say you know they they're getting closer to this break even point of yeah. just. Yeah, but uh, how long has that taken, right? Taken 15 years, <laughs> yeah. So the way I see it, and this is this is for me the point, I think what we've learned, and this is where I'm, from a pure perspective, from a design perspective, I'm very, very thankful to these EV startups because they have shown that, of course, we're burning billions and billions, but that, you know, that's how it is. It was the same with the, with the IT or internet bubble in you know, the late 90s, mm-hmm. early 2000s. That it might actually be easier to go back to a certain carrosseria style and 
Mm-hmm. So why do I need a Byton or a Lucid or a uh, Faraday as companies to build their own platform? Mm-hmm. Why exactly. can't they not just you know build their brand and they have a certain kind of uh, wish in terms of proportions that they want to aim for and then they just go shopping for the platform that is the closest to what they would like to have? Um, be you know Volkswagen is uh, is promoting it a lot at the moment. Hey, yeah, feel free to use our electric platform that we are now sharing with almost everybody mm-hmm. um, to get those volume numbers up. And and this is for me the point. And Dyson, I think, is a perfect example of that because uh, James Dyson said in um in an article, I think it was an interview with him. He said, "We will not stop the um the platform the, development. The, the platform development, mm-hmm. yeah." That we're not going to produce our own car, but we're going to we're going we're still going to continue developing certain things that come out of this con project. So, I think we're now in this kind of turning point where we had all these EV startups and all these oh, great yeah. things. And and I want to say this to to the designers because, like you know, we we speak to a lot of designers and a lot of like, oh man, like you know, we're in a down phase at the moment. Like there's not much happening and all these things. Like I think actually we're at the calm before the storm because. Mm. Once, you know, this carceria idea picks up again, the companies will look differently. You will only have companies that have maybe a small engineering team that lead development with their chosen partner. Uh, You will have an internal design team because you need to find your USP somewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, You will have a marketing team that will develop services around it. You will have uh, a board of directors to to direct the company, of course. But I don't need, you know, 500 plus people anymore. To run these companies, so I think the role of design with this kind of new interpretation of a carrosseria, which can go, and this is the, the biggest difference I think from what we've seen from like you know up until the seventies or eighties, we will be able to see them as volumes as well, not just a small, uh, you know, small volume manufacturers mm-hmm. as you had it with Ferrari and all these kind of you know Lamborghini was part of this of course as well. Mm-hmm. You will actually be able now to see big volume carrosseria. Yeah. Because we're now in a in a situation where people understand like I don't need to do this because they can do it much better, mm. and I'd rather pay them, and I can stop my production every single day if I want to, and I can you know just uh, consider my um, my cost that way. So I think actually we're just at a turning point in terms of mobility design as a whole, where things are going to go crazy in the next years, and I think even go crazier than what we've seen with the with the EV startups. Mm. Teams will be smaller. Of course, because you don't, you know, the products will not be 15, 20 cars, will be maybe one or two cars. Mm. So you will have smaller, smaller teams as a whole, but this will have a big influence on the, on, on the OEMs. So the, the failure of everything that has been going on with these EV startups now, because it's so expensive to build an EV platform to try to do everything your, your, yourself, has actually been, in retrospect, a very big learning curve to say like, look, it doesn't matter if we're going to continue in EV or, you know, hydrogen or whatever. Mm. Like, no, we understand. Let people who already know these things, let do them their work. We pay them to do that for us. And then we build it based on. So I would not be surprised actually to to see a um, a Volkswagen becoming like a Magna. So you, franchi- mm. you know, you can just yes. go out to them and say, like, look, I want to build this car. Mm-hmm. Um, I do also believe that companies such as BMW and Mercedes will you know will 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 um will uh will fusion up together in the future 
because they need to get the volume together. Mm-hmm. Might not be that the brands are coming together, but the platforms might very likely come together. Yeah. So this is where I want to say, and this is a good example of Canoe, um, these guys you know, are doing something which maybe in retrospect could be the same with Faraday, mm. has actually been great for the next step of what mobility design is. I don't care if they fail or make it at this moment in time, but you learn from what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And this is where it's getting interesting now, you know, because yeah. we're now in a position to say we've learned something. Hey, what is next and how can we implement it into like a new structure? So, um, and Dyson is exactly the same. And I think, you know, yeah. James Dyson got out just in time to understand, mm. to minimize his cost. Um, surprised that he, that he did that for such a long time. Yeah. But he will have contributed something in the future where new startups will arise and they will do things differently. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, I don't think we've hit rock bottom yet. I think we're still going to see some fallout because there's been so much government incentive to create these electric car manufacturers in China, especially. Especially in China, yeah. So, you know, once... California to a certain degree yes, as well, yeah? Yes, yeah. yes. But I mean, you know, China is really the driving force in the automotive industry right now. Um, and that's why we're seeing, you know, some automakers, you know, panic. Uh, like Neo and such, um, you know, where these companies, I've always said, you know, there are certain companies that just are in, you know, Apple, for example, should not be building a car. They will, all they care about is the technology, is the, you know, is the, what it is that's behind it, the service, mm-hmm. right? That they're able, because that's what they do. They're a service provider, right? So if, um, if Google doesn't create a car, but just creates a platform, for example, where they can, um, feed, uh, you know, consumer t- uh, needs off of the back and get them to, you know, continue to spend and whatever it is that they do. Um, they don't need to actually build a physical car, like the hardware and all of that, right? Correct. They just need the software and the know-how of developing, um, you know, a, a system. And so Neo, for example, had its hand in so many different parts that, you know, it's, it makes sense to just develop a platform that you can then share with all of these, you know, startup EV brands that can bring, as you mentioned, uh, their own specific taste and flair to a product. So I think just like now, if you go into a department store and you want to buy a pair of shoes, there's not just, you know, a handful of companies, mm. five companies that are producing shoes, but there's 30, mm. 50, 100, right, on the shelf where you can choose various different brands. You know, you've got your puma you've got your adidas you've got your whole range of different uh, nikes and whatever and you can get something that suits your specific taste so i think there's going to be not less automotive companies but you know my vision anyway is that there will be a whole mess of automotive companies but when i say automotive companies i mean the guys that are putting the modular platform the on, on the, top of on... an existing platform that's yeah. created by your Volkswagen or your Neo or your, agree. you know, I think there's going to be a lot of that, which is going to, because let's not forget the need for personalization is perhaps um, nowhere stronger in a massive investment than a motor vehicle. I think there's a, a huge need for a, an individuality in some of these vehicles. And we've talked about this in other episodes in the past where there's, Right now, we're seeing this huge kind of, um, you know, wavelength, or rather, there's two different points and sectors where there's the 
supercars, hyper personalized, whatever bespoke offerings, and then your uh, BWID, um, you know, your platform everyday sharing car. everyday thing. Um, and I think, of course, there's a need for that, you know, and that could potentially be your um, just basic canoe. But I think everything eventually is going to move to electric. That's just the way that it is going to be in, in the future. And and I've said this again, you know, we've, we've noticed this before. I've said this in the past. Platform sharing is now commonplace within automakers, right? You've got VW, um, massive companies like VW sharing platforms across multiple different brands. And the only true differentiator is design. And that's the way that it's going to continue now with companies developing platforms and technology, companies like Dyson. And then we're going to have a and other companies that are catering to the individual and the UX experience and everything else that comes to direct contact with the customer. Yeah. And that is where it's going to be very, very interesting. And, and I'm and, really, really interested to see that. And this is exactly the point for me is like, you know, you minimizing your cost in, in this idea of, okay, so I'm only building 10,000 cars, 15,000, 20, 25, maybe 50,000 cars. But, you know, this could be done by anybody. It could be done by an airline, could be done by, uh, you know, your bank could be done by your insurance broker. <laughs> like literally, it could be done by Uber as well. Like mm-hmm. Uber could say, build me the Uber car. Like, you know, and then they have a design team doing this stuff. So mm-hmm. this is where I see the future. So I'm actually like, it is exactly what you just mentioned. I don't think that we will have fewer manufacturers. I actually think we have more brands, mm. but we have a certain amount of people that produce these cars because they have the experience. Right. Volkswagen will be one of them. Nissan, mm. Renault, that group will be one Daimler, of them. Daimler, yes. Uh, Daimler, BMW, I think, will be one of them. I think the Americans will get together. So, like GM and Ford will probably have some kind of conglomerate over in the US to do something like that. Because mm. um, obviously, it helps them as well. They can sell these kind of things. I mean, like, you know, last year was like, well, how many worldwide? Like 90 million cars were sold. Yeah. Mm. So, if you can bring these kind of things into countries where you don't sell that many cars, then you can speci- specify them just for that. That's going to be interesting. So, uh, my dear design friends, mm. don't worry. You will not run out of work. <laughs> there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, there's light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> uh, it, might, it might take, you know, a little bit of time to, for that kind of to really set in because mm. the biggest need that we have for that means that we need the current manufacturers to understand that they have to open up, mm. that their brand is part of a bigger a bigger movement that they have to open up the platforms uh to not just save their brands but to save their own entire you know work to survive yeah. to survive as a whole so once that happens Volkswagen is going that way which is very good um one thing i just wanted to mention but we can talk about it is in a different podcast um i think electric is only the step in between we will be going to hydrogen mm. um because i think hydrogen in the long term will be um, the best possible way forward, the most in, in terms of the current climate at the moment, with you know uh, climate change protests, you know the young the young kids nowadays protesting for it, having ideas, hydrogen with water involved will be the future because I think it's a a resource that is much easier to be used than uh, the batteries. Batteries are still very expensive to make. That re, you know they take up a lot of water, a lot of uh, lithium that has to come through that. So the, the the process of building a battery is still very complicated, still very time consuming and resource consuming. Yeah, quite. Um, Not to mention the end of 
life cycle. Um, exactly. That's a, that's a completely uh, different topic. So I think we will be moving more towards the hydrogen side as well, which will give us back a more like a, a petrol tank style car. So, um, But don't you need yeah. electricity to make hydrogen anyway? Uh, yes, no, that's very, that's very, very true. But so maybe this, we should leave it on that, and then we that's, can be that's very, very true. That's very true. But like you know, I, I, I still certainly believe that hydrogen will be that next step. Um, I, I personally see, and from the people I talk to in, in the OEM days, like you know, the classic EVs that we see at the moment, probably just a step in, in between. Mm. When we say step in between, we're talking about ten, fifteen years. Yes. Well, I mean, <laughs> there are automakers investing in hydrogen heavily. I yeah. mean, Toyota's been doing it. Hyundai's doing it. I mean, there's a, a <laughs> lot of been doing it for yeah, years. A lot of smart yeah. people developing hydrogen cars. So, um, so I'm not like, saying you're wrong. I'm just, you know, it's no, an interesting it's, thing it's to gonna, discuss. It's not going to come from one day to another. But I think just to kind of sum this up, because this is still a design podcast, the designers will not be out of work. Mm. Yeah. Just be confident be in a position to understand like look things are always changing don't be part of the non-change or non-changing group be part of understanding what's happening around you and i promise you uh things will will go crazy in the next few years for that so um i think that's a nice little you know yes yes to that a nice positive note keep your head up (laughs) and we'll see you on the next one pat talk all right (laughs) take care guys thanks for joining us is. Bye-bye.